You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound Off. No president should be able to sustain boots on the ground without congressional approval and without a clear explanation of what the mission is and what the end game is. This isn't really about the economic policy. This is about the coronavirus. Bloomberg Sound Off. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We must use every tool possible to defeat this assault on women's reproductive rights. This is a steady growth that we're seeing here in our economy, you know, over the last three months. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The wheels of democracy are turning, but we're still in the same place we were this time yesterday, in the same spot after the House passed a government funding bill that would suspend the debt ceiling. But it's not expected to pass the Senate because Republicans won't touch the debt limit. And as Democrats now consider Plan B on that, leaders are at the White House today and some rank-and-file Democrats, too, to meet with President Biden and start hashing this out. With votes now looming on infrastructure next week, we'll talk about the overall agenda here coming up with Congresswoman Jen Schakowsky, Democrat from Illinois. The advertising blitz has begun. Maybe you've seen this or heard it already with millions spent in the backyards of Democrat moderates. We'll discuss it with political ad maker, former White House producer Adam Belmar. The classic panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. And I haven't even mentioned the Fed yet, so let's get to the markets. An update right now from Charlie Pellet. Very busy period of time here in Washington. As the Fed wraps its meeting, and both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue are buzzing today over everything from government funding to the debt ceiling to infrastructure and reconciliation as Democratic members of the House and Senate shuttle back and forth from the White House in several group meetings that are happening today with President Biden. Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about what the president was up to with these sessions. This is uh, a messy sausage-making process. Uh, the president today, what Americans should be encouraged by, is the president is bringing people of a range of viewpoints on big, important packages that are going to make their lives better here to the White House to have a discussion about it. He's rolling up his sleeves. He's welcoming them to the Oval Office. He'll have some COVID-safe snacks, whatever may happen. Uh, people should be encouraged by that. And those meetings could roll into the evening. There's a second session planned for late today, and we're joined now by Representative Jan Schakowsky, Democrat from Illinois, whose district includes the north side of Chicago and the great suburb of Evanston. Congresswoman, welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. It's great to have you, and I'd, I'd oh, love to ask you about so a couple of items. So we'll, how about we start with the CR here and the debt ceiling, since that's the most immediate matter. Are, are you confident, Congresswoman, that we will avoid a government shutdown? And do House Democrats have the votes 
to deal with the debt ceiling on their own? Oh, I absolutely um, believe. Of course, we voted yesterday in order to um, pass both the debt ceiling and the and, and the CR. Um, and you know, it would be—I I don't know—who wants to put us into another shutdown of the government, which is so costly to workers, to our economy. Um, and so, we feel optimistic that it's going to—it's uh, it, going to pass. It would be um, really malpractice if anyone in the Congress decided to mess with those two items. Well, we heard again today from Mitch McConnell, uh, Congresswoman. He has not budged on the issue of the debt ceiling. Here's what he said. Look, we all agree America must never default. The debt ceiling will need to be raised. We have a Democratic president, Democratic House, Democratic Senate. They have decided to with the possible exception of infrastructure, all year long to operate on a partisan basis. So, Congresswoman, knowing that this likely will not get through the Senate with Republican support, it's on to Plan B here, right? Could Democrats handle this through reconciliation? Was there time for that? Well, I I think we're going to absolutely have the votes. I think what Mitch McConnell, the most important sentence that he said is that we cannot default on, on what we owe. And what I think consumers and uh, and just voters and people need to understand that this is money that has already been spent. This is money that has been approved. It's been allocated. It's been spent. And so it's not like new money. It's not like we're trying right. to create a slush fund or something. This is, this is paying our debts, which I think, uh, you know, most Americans, the vast majority of Americans thinks we need to think we need to do. And I think we will. I was on the Hill today, Congresswoman. I, I have to admit, I don't think most people understand that. And the more that, that, that politicians talk about this, in this case, Republicans being on the other side as, as somehow increasing future spending, I think is catching a lot of people off guard here. But Bloomberg is reporting that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has begun calling the CEOs of major Wall Street firms to pressure Republicans to support raising or suspending the debt limit. Jamie Dimon, think uh, Brian Moynihan. Is that the best way to handle this? Could that work? Well, I certainly think mobilizing constituencies, including the business community, to say that this would be an economic disaster for us if we did not do this. And I appreciate what you're saying, that we need to get the message out that this is money that has been spent. This isn't like a household saying, oh, well, I'm not going to pay this credit card, even though I've already spent the money. Um, and and so I, I, I really do think that mobilizing the business community is a really good thing to do. Yes. I want to ask you about infrastructure. Speaker Pelosi says she's planning to make good on a promise to moderate Democrats to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure plan on Monday. I know progressives are not happy about that because reconciliation uh, is is not complete. Do you think that vote should happen? And if it's passed, should it go to the White House? If it passes, it means that it will have passed um, both houses. Um, but of course, the the speaker can decide to wait for a time while we get the full Biden package, the mm-hmm. Build Back Better that we are were promised. Look, um, progressives, which I'm part of the Progressive Caucus, are ready to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. But not just by itself. We want to see the full 
package that does so much for the American people that really levels the playing field. You know, as the president has said, it's uh, been Scranton versus Park, uh, but Park Avenue. Um, and we want to help the Scrantonites, the ordinary people. And that's what our Build Back Better plan does. And the uh, infrastructure bill, the bipartisan one, um, we're, we're willing to support that, but not without all the other wonderful things that help ordinary people that create two million jobs a year for the, the next uh, 10 years that, uh, you know, uh, absolutely will help working um, class by cutting tax, the, the taxes for middle income people and, you know, People like to talk about, oh, $3.5 trillion. Guess what? There is no addition to the deficit when we talk about the Build Back Better plan because it's paid for. <laughs> it's actually paid for. Um, and, uh, you know, so when we are able to um, increase Medicare benefits, we're able to um, add um, money, put money in people's pockets. We're able to address the climate crisis and child care and um, elder care. There's so many benefits that are going to help ordinary people. And as I said, and as the president has said, that it gives middle class and people who aspire for the middle class a fair shot. And what do you then about time? What do you, Congresswoman, then tell your your moderate colleagues? who see this a little bit differently. Everybody's a little bit afraid to go first here, it seems like. Would you be satisfied then if there was, in fact, a vote on infrastructure and Nancy Pelosi put that on the shelf until reconciliation was done? Is that is that acceptable to both sides? You know, I'll tell you one thing. You don't want to bet against Nancy Pelosi. If anybody can negotiate a deal that works for everyone, it's going to be Nancy Pelosi. And that is what was promised. And that is the bill that the uh, president of the United States wants. He doesn't have to be convinced about the um, Build Back Better or some say the reconciliation bill because it's his bill. So we can do it all. We can have both. And uh, and I think that's the route that we that we need to yeah. take. Seems because like moderates need moderate, to be convinced, though, Congresswoman. Well, Some moderates well, I are think concerned. Moderates, what? So, so tell me, what part actually do you want to cut? Do you want to um, take away um, childcare so that women um, are not able to go go back to work? Um, do you want to take away paid family leave? Do you want to take away elder care or expanding Medicare so pe- so older people have access to eye care and um, hearing aids? And, you know, do you want to do something about prescription drugs, make them more affordable? What part of that bill do you want to cut? If we talk about it only in the dollar terms, we're not talking about what really happens to the American people. This is transformative. This is asking the wealthiest, the, 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 the billionaires and the big corporations to pay their fair share and, uh, and to, to, to give a break yeah. to families that have been struggling, especially during this COVID period. 
The View from Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky, Democrat from Illinois. Congresswoman, we appreciate your time today. We'd love to stay in touch with you as we figure all this out. Boy, we do have a lot to figure out. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. You'll see. Thank you, Congresswoman. I was uh, I was up on the Hill earlier today and caught up with a, a couple of members of the Senate, including Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, I was walking through the hall talking with reporters and sounding a lot like Mitch McConnell. I think Mitch's position is pretty sound. You're using the reconciliation process and sort of going along, driving up the credit card. We did a lot together and uh, we covered that that stage and uh, so and you know own it what's your vision of what happens if democrats can't get the reconciliation done until the, the middle of october we're still walking up on the cliff again yeah i, I don't know i mean they, they've shown the ability to to uh come together to spend money then show the ability to, to pay the debt you don't seem worried about a default that was a no you know success when you see it or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal, Yellen appeals to Wall Street CEOs for help with debt ceiling. President Biden, meantime, holding group sessions with Democratic lawmakers today at the White House. Something needs to break here. Maybe I should say something will break here. It's just a question of when. And that's where we start with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us. Jeannie, is it good or bad when the president summons members to the Oval Office? I think it's necessary. This thing has gotten to a point where the president and Jen Psaki, as, as you know, said this today, he had to step in and he's done that today. And I think what was fascinating to me is when you hear from moderates and progressives, they are both claiming to be doing Biden's bidding, right? The, the progressives are saying, you know, we he needs a win. We're going to help him get a win. Well, let's push this through. And yep. and, and um, you, you hear moderates, you know, making that case and progressives saying we got to get the whole package. He And so I think that shows you how much sway he has over both of these sides. And I think the White House is trying to use that today. And of course, he is a 35 year veteran of the Senate. He knows how this works. So he's perfectly positioned to do this. That said, I can't imagine how these talks are going because both sides say, at least publicly, that they aren't going to blink on this. When you look at the list of, uh, of those members, who are on their way to uh, the White House here, Rick? I suppose Jen Psaki says it's 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 all types, it's all viewpoints, but but not too many uh, detractors. Uh, you've got the leadership and people who are typically in step with the president. Are these contentious meetings, or are they strategizing on how to get the rest of the caucus on board? 
Yeah, I don't think it's a woodshed session, you know, where the president's bringing in congressmen and saying, hey, you know, you're yeah. really screwing me up here. So I think it's more trying to find a middle ground that they can uh, actually get some of these things on the president's desk to sign because he desperately needs some good news. His approval rating is plunging. He's had some really bad uh, weeks leading up to this with COVID and Afghanistan and other things. Uh, so he, he needs to change the topic and the topic needs to be his congressional wins. But he needs their cooperation to get it. And I thought what uh, uh, Representative Shikowsky was saying earlier in the interview that you had with her, which was fascinating, mm. is that, well, maybe we'll just pass this infrastructure bill and then to yes. leave it on the desk. That's right. <laughs> while uh, while the reconciliation bill follows up. I mean, the pressure that will be under the House to have a bill that he can sign sitting in Pelosi's bottom drawer is going to be <laughs> immense. True enough. Uh, and I think you've seen some of that movie before as well, Rick. But, Jeannie, uh, how many how many days or weeks can we allow that to happen before? I mean, to say before, how many seconds before people are accusing Nancy Pelosi of holding the bill hostage? Well, I think that would happen immediately. It yeah. is Washington, D.C. After yeah. all, she would be accused of all sorts of things. I thought that was really interesting. I do think Nancy Pelosi, I, I thought today, sounded rather optimistic coming out of these meetings. She seemed like she's got something under her hat, as she usually does. And as the representative said to you, don't bet against her. So she may have a way to figure this out. Let's not forget this Monday deadline, as much as she did make the promise to moderates, it is something of an arbitrary deadline, and we could see her, you know, or them agree to hold that off a bit. So there is some room to maneuver here, but the president does need a win, but it's going to be hard to sort of figure out how they sort of tie this together and bring these two sides together, because right now, progressives don't like this bill. We heard AOC say that. They yeah. don't like it, so what's to draw them to it? And moderates desperately want the bipartisan and they are going to be facing, you know, really tough campaigns if they don't get it. We understand from our White House team, the Bloomberg White House team is letting us know now that the president's meetings have uh, have concluded. There were there were two here with regards to this congressional leadership had the first meeting an afternoon session with other members of Congress, both House and Senate wrapped up just a couple of minutes ago. So I suspect we're going to hear a little bit more about what happened inside that room with COVID safe snacks, by the way, I'm not sure what COVID safe. Does that mean they're all individually wrapped? You can get back to me on that. Uh, considering all of this, uh, Rick, do you think they're they're working out a plan B uh, when it comes to the debt ceiling? If they start moving, if Democrats start moving the debt ceiling through reconciliation now, they're only going to have, my gosh, a couple of weeks to get that done. And that's about how long it takes to move a big piece of reconciliation. You've got votoramas. You've got a lot of legislating to do. Yeah, that's that is plan B. Uh, they can always put it on its own reconciliation measure. You're not supposed to have more than one reconciliation bill a year. We're breaking a lot of new ground. Oops. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is uh, you're right. I mean, it, it takes some procedural votes. If they get started now, they could actually make the deadline. But the question is, what are they really gaining out of this position they've taken to put the Republicans on the spot? Because, I mean, Republicans aren't budging. There's nothing on it for them to budge. Uh, and, and, and the Democrats have a way to fix this problem and, and actually keep the focus on reconciliation, which is what they're supposed yeah. to be worried about. So I, I think they're losing valuable time. I'd immediately go to a, uh, to a reconciliation measure to get these things passed. Well, Rick is right there, Jeannie. The Democrats could have done this weeks ago. 
They could have, but I think for Democrats, they feel it is important to make the case that the GOP spent this money, and it, as, as you were talking about in your interview, this is money that was spent primarily under their watch, and they don't want to pay for it, and Democrats want to make that case. We told you the ads were coming, millions of dollars worth, to persuade lawmakers from passing the reconciliation bill. Congressman Josh Gottheimer claims to be a moderate working for you, not Nancy Pelosi. We don't work for a national political party. We work for our district. That commercial part of a $7.5 million ad buy from the American Action Network, sending messages to the home districts of lawmakers. In that case, moderate Democrat Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey is one of the moderates who cut the deal with Nancy Pelosi to get an infrastructure vote on Monday. But he's one of many. And joining us to talk about the effort is political communications expert Adam Belmar, former White House Deputy Communications Director, now with the Advocacy Content Kitchen, where he is a principal and makes ads himself. Adam, AAN is one of many groups actively lobbying against reconciliation by spending a lot of money on ads like these. We've talked about this before. Do they actually work? These ads work, Joe. It's good to be back with you. This is a meaningful spend coming out of the American Action Network. And while much of Washington, D.C. is usually just talking to itself, and when they're advertising, they're usually just advertising yeah. to themselves, and they want to be seen doing it. This is, a, this is a horse of a different color. These ads are bespoke. They are detailed for every single audience in every district that they are targeted at, and they are calling for action. You've seen uh, some of the ads that we're talking about here, and it's interesting. They, they all take a, a slightly different method here in this particular ad against Josh Gottheimer. Now he's letting Pelosi push through trillions in spending on a liberal wish list. Tell Josh Gottheimer it's time to finally oppose Pelosi's liberal Tell spending. Josh Gottheimer a call to action, Adam, a pretty classic move here. They even put the phone number on the screen. You're absolutely right. This is about fomenting action. In the case of a phone call to a member of Congress from their constituents, they're already feeling the heat in a lot of different ways. But when it starts to come from actual voters in your district, it turns the needle way up. And I think that while it might not change Gotthammer's view on this vote, yeah. it may very well impact his posture against the entire Biden build back agenda and where he falls in the need to get reelected, Mr. Matthew. What do you think of the production values, the dramatic music, the voiceover? People aren't too savvy for this, huh? Listen, when I reviewed all of these ads, I was highly impressed. These are tailored for each of the markets and the target audiences within them. Even here in Virginia, they're speaking very directly with images and sounds that are geared to play on the fears of people in these districts, and they are unhappy with the tax and spend that they're seeing going on in Washington, and it is not a far reach to pick up the phone. These ads are exactly what you do when you mean business. Hmm. This is a big spend, and they're highly targeted, Joe. This is highly efficient. It is not being wasted money against wide swaths of people who have no interest in the matter. This is going to people who help make a difference. What do you get for $7.5 million? Can you put a buy like that in, in perspective for us? So in these cases, they are not primarily television ads. They're targeted YouTube pre-roll ads, and they are pernicious in that, that they are being seen constantly everywhere you go. You can't escape them, and they're highly shareable. I think they're very effective, and you get a lot of bang for your buck at $7.5 million in the limited way that they are spending it. They spent some of that money, by the way, 
on the production. These were not cheap to produce. They were yeah. written and designed for very maximum effect. And I think that they're going to find that this is where you get taken seriously. You know, there aren't a lot of people who are ready to go out there and prosecute an ad campaign like this. AAN is a vehicle that people trust. That's why they have the money, and they're never afraid to get involved. The ads are slick, Adam, and they, they take different approaches. You heard the one for Gottheimer. It hits his name right off the top. There's another ad here for a congressman named Jared Golden, a Democrat, a moderate Democrat from the state of Maine. And you're not entirely sure who they're talking about when this starts. D.C. liberals overspending. It benefits a few while working Americans suffer. Now they're pushing a $3 trillion. They got the setup with the voice over here, and they name-check Nancy Pelosi. They even show images, Adam, of AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, wearing that dress. You see that at the Met Gala the other night, the white dress that says tax the rich across the back of this thing. This is where the ad is going here, and it resolves with the Congresses. This is the, the very end. But Maine's middle class gets stuck with the bill. New taxes and even higher prices. Tell Congressman Golden to there vote against Pelosi's spending spree. Another call to action. Tell Congressman Golden. But you have to wait to the end of this 30-second roll after seeing all the images of the elite. Well, that's because, as you said on this broadcast yesterday, all politics is local. And people generally don't have a favorable view of Congress, but they do of their own congressmen. And while this plays to the prevailing sentiment among voters in Maine, it doesn't focus that fomenting anger and upset until the very end, and it gives them an outlet. Call him now, before it's too late. Every single one of these ads is similar in theme and execution, but bespoke in its writing and its visual play, and they all bring you to the point where you want to pick up the phone. Adam Belmar, you do this for a living. I'm just curious, is there a room full of menacing-sounding voiceover people? Who is there a big orchestra that just plays scary music? How, does, how do all these elements come together? How long does it take to put a campaign like this together? Well, if we pull back the curtain for the production on something like this, it's an incorporation of animation, stock footage, and reliable voiceover talent, all of which can be found on the Internet. And I must say... It does take some political savvy and good writing, but it is not long to turn these things around weeks, but it does require a client with a voice and knowing exactly what they want to say and who they need to say it to. They have all of that. They are practiced. They are moneyed. And they are effective. Adam Belmar, former White House Deputy Communications Director, now principal at the Advocacy Content Kitchen, where they make political messaging ads there as well. He's an expert. And Adam, we thank you for coming in to talk to us, as always. Thank you, Joe. It's good to be with you. Man's passionate about what he does. And a fascinating peek behind the curtain. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They wouldn't buy him if they didn't work, right? Seven and a half million dollars in ads targeting moderate Democrats by the American Action Network. We just put an ear on some of them, talked about them with Adam Belmar. Just one of the groups, though, investing in stopping or at least slowing the reconciliation plans that will result in tax hikes for corporations and the wealthy, depending on how you define them. And we bring in the panel now to round out the fastest hour in politics. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Rick, you've been on both sides of ads like these. Do groups like the AAN think they're going to stop this process, or are they just trying to embarrass lawmakers on the way so they hear about it from voters? 
Um, a little bit of both. Uh, there's no question that uh, this is a disarray tactic, right? They want to harden the positions of these moderates uh, against uh, caving to the to the you know AOC wing of the party uh, against Nancy Pelosi, and and the moderates are in districts, these 24 districts where the ads are running, mm-hmm. um, where they might actually be able to flip them. So it's a twofer, right? It it creates a hardening of the position of the moderates against the the liberals in the House and opens up some opportunities for them to take over some of these districts in the long run. So uh, it's, it's, it's a good strategy. It's a solid strategy. They're, they're not looking to actually get anything yeah. out of this. What right. they are trying to do is soften up the, uh, the, 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 the field of play for the 2022 midterms and, and create disarray within the Democratic caucus. And, mm-hmm. and I say that's the secondary issue because the Democrats are doing a great job of creating disarray in their own caucus. <laughs> you might even agree with that, uh, Jeannie. How would you advise lawmakers here? Do you, do you duck and cover or do you try to spin this, you know, as big money trying to shut down the little guy? I think they can try to spin it. I think it is tough to spin. The problem Democrats have right now is precisely what we see with these ads. They are busy squabbling and fighting with each other, and they aren't able to get their message out to the American public about where this money would go and how it would change lives. From birth to death, there is serious, serious policy implications to this. Many Americans support what is in the bill. You know, setting the number aside, Democrats have to stop squabbling and get that message out. And I would also I would also just, you know, note that we're seeing seven and a half million now. Some of the projections for spending for the midterm, I saw one projection, 8.9 billion for this cycle. That's a 240% increase from the last midterm cycle, which was 4 billion. And it's almost comparable to what was spent in the 2020 cycle. So when we talk about the import of who's going to control the House and, and the Senate and the spending, is an indication of that. That is yeah. big money. Well, let's just take a moment to acknowledge the irony of, uh, of of political groups and lawmakers' campaigns seizing upon these valuable platforms to spend all this money to reach all these people. We're talking YouTube, owned by Google, right, and Facebook, both of which lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are trying to break up right now. But I digress. The headline on the terminal, House GOP squeezes Pelosi on bipartisan infrastructure bill. This is something. If you want to talk about discord, Eric Wasson writes, Republican leaders in the House urging Republican lawmakers to vote against the bipartisan infrastructure bill on Monday, assuming it happens. But as Eric writes, it's increasing the likelihood Speaker Pelosi will have to postpone a planned Monday vote on the bill, given opposition in her own caucus. Is this the beginning of the end, Rick, of the Biden economic agenda? No, I suspect it's a um, it's an effort to try and pull together a omnibus agreement with both parties, uh, take some of the pressure off. Uh, again, uh, it's it's going to put Gottheimer and his team of moderates in the House in a very difficult spot because they've already caved once to even get to this point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, caving again to move off of the 27th is going to really uh, deflate him. But uh, I suspect those were the conversations they were having in the White House today, and it's and, and by the way, it's very powerful for legislative strategy to have a president of the United States sitting there in a the room saying, "I promise you, you'll get that vote." Right? Oh, As, yeah. You're not talking to Pelosi, you're not talking to Schumer, you're talking to the president of the United States, and he's the leader of your party. The others aren't, and and so my guess is those were the tactics that were employed today during these congressional meetings. 
Jeannie, if half the progressive Democrats in the House, about 95, vote no, as they're promising on the bipartisan infrastructure bill, if they don't get reconciliation, are there enough or would there possibly be enough Republicans to make up the difference? It is possible. I think it's going to be something that Kevin McCarthy fights hard against. The last thing he wants to do is give Pelosi or certainly Joe Biden any sort of sense of a win. So I I think it's going to be hard. You may see some come over. And I think we also have to give a shout out to Josh Gottheimer, who is really, in my mind, really given some energy to this moderate Democratic movement. He is, you know, something of the Joe Manchin of the House uh, at this point. And the Progressives have had all the energy on the Democrat in the Democratic Party of late, and he is really giving the moderates some much-needed energy there. Of course, that's not really what Pelosi or Biden want at this point, but it does work for these moderates who have a tough fight ahead. I need to turn to geopolitics uh, with you both because I keep hearing about France, and I'm just I'm amazed the legs this story has. Uh, but maybe not all, a lot of Americans appreciate the impact that this had overseas. This submarine deal. Uh, Now we understand President Biden will meet in person with Emmanuel Macron in October. They talked on the phone last night, seeking, as I read on the terminal, to mend ties after a U.S. nuclear-powered submarine deal with Australia outraged officials in Paris. Apparently it was a cordial phone call. We got the readout from the White House. The two agreed that the situation would have benefited from open consultations. President Biden acknowledging maybe we should have told you more earlier but, of course, Boris Johnson, the U.K.'s on the other end of this deal, has had it. He doesn't understand what it is. He's back in Washington today telling people to calm down. I just think it's, it's, it's time for some of our dearest friends around the world to, you know, prone and grip uh, about all this uh, and donne moi and break. Uh, because this is uh, fundamentally a, a great step forward for global security. He's a character, of course. And uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, was asked about that particular comment. Is calling on the French to get a grip helpful at this point? Well, uh, I can only speak for our relationship with the French and our relationship with the United Kingdom. Uh, and I will say that uh, the president during this call, as we said in the readout, uh, acknowledged uh, that there could be uh, more of a, there could have been more discussion in advance of the announcement. And that was an important uh, important message for him to convey during that conversation. So I can't speak to the comments and whether they're constructive or not from other countries. I almost had to call my dad to translate that for me. Take a grip and give me a break is what he actually said in French, standing in front of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, I don't know how far this story is going to go here, Rick, but the French are very upset. Apparently, John Kerry is on his way there to help to smooth this out. Am I missing something here beyond the money involved? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's prestige. Uh, The French have been trying to uh, fill some of the leadership vacuum uh, that's happening in Europe with the the British leaving Brexit uh, or the EU and and, uh, Merkel uh, stepping down or uh, leaving the uh, premiership in Germany. Mm -hmm. Uh, Macron has been trying to position himself as the next big leader of Europe. And so having this happen to him at the trajectory of his ascent uh, is really a, a, a big problem for him. 
And so uh, uh, I'm not surprised <laughs> that the, 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 the prime minister of uh, Great Britain, who just left Europe, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, took a shot at him. Uh, I noticed that the uh, Germans have fired back and said, no, 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 this is a big deal. Yes. Uh, the, the Americans have done wrong here. So uh, I don't think we've heard the last of this, uh, but it's all to do with nothing. I mean, the, the Australians are going to get nuclear-powered submarines. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Boris Johnson is correct. This is great news for security in the in the Pacific uh, and probably something we really need to have done. So uh, the fact that they don't have a French flag flying on their uh, bathroom toilet seat is you know, not <laughs> going to be the big issue as soon as we get over this. We're talking about a nuke versus a conventional uh, powered uh, submarines here, right? It's a new generation of submarines, Jeannie. Should, should Joe Biden or, or Boris Johnson or someone say, look, well, we make better submarines. It's a $66 billion deal that France lost. But if they had better submarines, would they not have kept that deal? Well, that's right. The, su- the submarines are better from that perspective. It makes sense. But, you know, it, it was only about, what, three or four months ago that Joe Biden and uh, Macron were he's strolling the beach arm in arm, um, right. waxing poetical. The G7. And the G7. And my, how things change. And, of course, this is a big hit to Macron domestically and he is making that clear and it is also strangely put china and france sort of on the same page but i think you know from a broader perspective i think it really does signal this and the withdrawal from afghanistan whatever we think about it you know whether hurried or not shows how intent president biden is on shifting to the asia pacific region he has you know including if it means risking relationships with key allies you know there are experienced foreign policy experts in the State Department. Joe Biden is no stranger to this. And I think this underscores the threat that Biden and the administration see from China and their willingness to risk a lot to make that pivot. This is why so many were questioning all of this going into the U.N. General Assembly. I just want to mention redhead on the terminal. This is breaking right now. The FDA moving to authorize The Pfizer booster, a third shot for people 65 and over, those considered at high risk. You remember the advisory panel recommended this, and as expected, now the full FDA moving to authorize a third Pfizer shot for people 65 and over, also authorizing it for people in high-exposure workplaces. Rick, I don't know if that includes radio shows. We'll get more on that for you for this time tomorrow. When news breaks, you hear about it right here on Sound On. Big thanks to Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis spending the hour with us here and all of our guests, Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky and Adam Belmar. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.